Welcome to the Untold untold Hour. hour. We are recording this from the comfort of our own homes. Yeah. Technology is awesome. We get to see you as well. Bowser, how are you handling everything? um, So far, so good. I feel like, uh, though, I'm one of the people whose routine hasn't altered very much. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially because... Uh, a, I've been doing my job from home using Zoom and other live streaming software. But even outside of that, you know, I had been freelance for like a year before this. My days are the same. I'm writing, yeah. shooting stuff in my house, putting up Onyx videos. Nothing has changed so far. I still, you know, get outside and do a walk, although abiding by all of the rules. What about you? Has it been rocking your world? I'm a home buddy anyway, for the most part. And even when I do go out, it's to go on solo adventures by myself around locations that I'm familiar with. So, you know, I'm just sitting at home, Animal Crossing's out. So I'm playing a lot of that. I'm playing a lot of games that I um, haven't been able to play for a while, but I've just been stacking up. I've been doing a lot of my digital content. Um, So like, you know, I mean... There's some downside. I've, I've lost out on a lot of hosting gigs because nobody's having anything anymore. But on the flip sure. side, I, I'm really thoroughly enjoying being at home and with the fam and doing my own thing. So that's been nice. I did get sick. I didn't get the sick, but I got, I didn't get the virus, but I got a virus. Interesting. So that kind of sucked because um, it was pr- it was it was bad. It was bad. I haven't had a, like a really bad cold in a long time. Um, I mean, I'll probably once testing once things in however many months start to calm down, I'll probably uh, once testing becomes a little bit more um, accessible to everyone. I think I might go get tested just to see if I did have it, just in case, um, as kind of like a. a uh, you know, back check, but, um, yeah. but either way I'm fine now and feeling good. Although I did blow a booger that I've never blown before. Really? I, I it was like bright, like fluorescent orange, like out yeah. of a highlighter pack orange. <laughs> and it was, and it was just like it all, it like encompassed all of my head. And when it came yeah. out, I was like instantly better. Yeah. So yeah, that fun I, stuff. It's really bringing out, and, and you know, not to complain about this in the time of greater tragedy, but it's really bringing out interesting personality traits in people. Really? Everyone, I just find that, you know, everyone is taking to social media uh, more than ever. Mm-hmm. It's become like a virtual world because everyone's going so stir crazy. And some people's approach outside of policing people's behavior uh, on the uh, medical side, like we should all be abiding by the safer at home initiative. We should all be social distancing. That's not in question, but I'll see people posting memes that are like, Hey, 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 don't, don't feel like you've got to write the great American novel, you know, just slow down. And I'm like, what are you, you're going to tell me how, what, how I'm supposed to live with my time self-isolating. 
everybody's getting into this like it's like everyone's become your over uh what's the word your mother that's uh overbearing overprotective more than overprotective overbearing everyone's saying hey hey don't do this hey 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 you should really take the time for this don't tell me what to do with my time i'll sit here i'll fucking write every day during the self-isolation what i can't stand that personality type yeah well you're not gonna like my friday video on my youtube channel then because well if it's just about chilling and because you want to chill that's great well, it was a combination of chilling and I just didn't have enough time for content that I wanted to grab. So I had to just figure out content that was available and make it work. So basically, yeah. since I've been home, um, you know, Blair works all day. And so he's in the office all day because his job doesn't stop. So um, I am just 24-7, mama, 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 mom. Yeah. The little one's home because he doesn't have school because they canceled school and they haven't started his um we've done mild homeschooling um but we we hadn't gotten like this this upcoming week is like his actual like homeschooling week but in the meantime i'm trying to find things for him to do trying to do my own digital stuff keep myself occupied but with things that interest me instead of just the wash and repeat life that i currently have of making a meal cleaning the house cleaning the meal up making a meal, cleaning the house, cleaning the meal up. So, um, so now, uh, so yeah, so I ended up, we ended up running out of supplies. And so I went and had to get some supplies because we, we had a lot of things to make stuff to add to things, but we didn't have the things to make. Do you know what I mean? Like we had salt and oil and all that stuff, but we didn't have like meat. I needed some, you know, vegetables. So I went out there and I had had this whole plan of like sitting down, talking with you guys to do the podcast yesterday, um, writing that all out, uh, doing this, that, and the other thing, recording this um, video that was going to go up for this Friday. And instead, I just spent the whole day like trying to hunt down bread. So yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. So at, at like about three o'clock when I finally got back to the car after finding everything I needed and it took me all the way down to Koreatown, I was like, well, there's no way that I can pull out, pull off what I want to pull off. So my only option is to just like embrace the, the, the moment you're out in the car, let's just get in the car and take the scenic route home through Griffith park. And so then I turned that scene into a, take the time to breathe for yourself. But I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. like making lemons out of lemonade or lemonade out of lemons. For but, sure. Um, I think I get what you're saying. Like it can be it gets annoying. Like it's nice to hear the niceties once in a while. But when you're bombarded with all of this self-care stuff, it's well, like, oh, I you think it also self-care. Yeah, well, I think it also assumes that we all out here or everywhere relate to art the same way or creation the same way. That if I sit down to write something, it's because I'm plugged into the rat race, or it's because I'm desperately seeking recognition, or it's because I feel this push to be, you know, recognized or relevant. Some people create art because but that's I thought that is what you are. No, just kidding. Well, that is deep down. <laughs> of course. But some people also create art because that's their therapy. That's their self-care. So when these memes yeah. are populating the internet that are like, hey, 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 don't make that thing. Don't create that thing. I just think like, well, okay, if I saw creating things the way you do, 
maybe I would feel that, but I don't feel that way. Yeah. You know, and that just for some reason in our community, in our industry has been shared a lot and it just really bothers me. Yeah. It's that assumption that doing work equates to a grind and not necessarily enjoyment, which working can also be an enjoyment. In fact, if you are able to enjoy working, whether you get paid for it or not, work is work. You're putting in the time and the effort, then yeah, that's fortunate. And why wouldn't you use that as a way to get you through your day instead of just sitting on the couch with, you know, doing whatever. For sure. Consuming. Well, and not everybody has. Sit sit still and consume, but it's, but it's not okay to create. I hear. Yeah. And you know, not everybody has savings, you know, some people are relying on, for, for me example, I mean, the content that I put out is partially part of income that I bring in. So if I'm not sitting here cutting Onyx videos to put on the internet, then that's not money coming in. Anyway, I just think it's just funny how much noisier I feel like things have gotten since everyone is staying at home on their computer. It just feels like everyone's louder now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird split because then you go outside and there's nobody out there, Yeah, which is totally quiet. I've actually done a pretty good job just sticking to my general like internet flow where, yeah, I've got my YouTube channel and I'm making stuff for that, but you know, I only stick to Instagram and Twitter and I'm really only tweeting about totally games I'm playing and outfits I want to wear. So I'm not, yeah, (laughs) I've done a pretty good job of that. So that, that overwhelming no, 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 is not happening right. to me so much, but yeah, I get yeah. it. Um, speaking of consuming yep. though, really briefly, because by the time this comes out, it's everybody's going to be over it, but Tiger King, I know. I think still, I'm still not totally over it. So I know I can't believe that those people exist. I feel like we need right. to have it because Florida, like last, like the last episode we had, we talked about, had I only known that well, this but was he was. But he's Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know? he is. But yes, some of the other people are, are Florida. That's right. He's Oklahoma. I guess yeah. I just automatically assume Florida because of that. For well, me, for me, yeah, it scratched every itch. I mean, I'm such a fan of weird character based documentaries like American Movie, mm-hmm. which is from the same producer as Tiger King. So I, I absolutely what was loved American it. Movie about? Oh, that was about this filmmaker, this aspiring filmmaker. You should watch American Movie. Holy crap! It's, All right, it's really one of the films that kind of set the archetype for what mockumentaries would become. It's, so it's um, not real. It's a mockumentary. No, no, no. It's real. But what I mean is, it's like there's things in Tiger King that feel like written jokes. You know, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. there's like setups and punchlines. There's the music videos he makes. There's so much comedy. And that's what American movie is like. There's so much comedy, but it's all found and it's all as real as something can be when there's a camera placed on someone. Yeah, I I'm I've been <laughs> I have found that a lot of my friends are rejecting Tiger King. And I think it's because well, there's two things going on. One is they're they're. It's too, back in the day when I saw American Movie, not many people that I knew had seen it. I discovered it. Uh Now we live in a world where, because of streaming, there's this singularity to what we can all consume. So something that would have been niche is now the most watched thing ever right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's causing certain personality types to reject it. 
and they say, oh, well, like, oh, I I was cool because I wore the T-shirt before you did. Yeah. I knew the band right. before you. It's lame. Right. I'm sorry, but that's dumb. <laughs> it, it is. And on top of that, there's I, this is a sentiment I keep saying, and I don't know if you've seen this. There's this rash of people, and it's not just Tiger King. It's so many people in our world right now that tweet things like, I'm not even going to watch blank because... And then they list a bunch of things that don't happen in the documentary. And that's what people would say about Joker. I'm not even going to see Joker because it's going to be triggering for these reasons that I'm inventing. Because Mm -hmm. I don't have the guts to just sit down and confront something and consume it and have my own opinion. And that's what's been happening with Tiger King. So many people are saying, I'm not, honestly, I'm not even going to watch Tiger King. Because animal cruelty is really triggering for me. Oh, yeah. What? What is animal cruel? Who for who is animal cruelty not triggering for? <laughs> I mean, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, honestly, I don't like seeing tigers beaten. So I think I'm going to, I don't like seeing tigers beaten either. I don't like seeing orcas in tiny tanks and I don't like seeing dolphins killed, but I still watched the cove and I still watched blackfish. Yeah. Anyway, I'm hot about that There's because I feel like. takes and these like yeah. holier than thou uh, soapboxes, like, you know, social media soapboxes. Exactly. And I don't, I don't know who it is that gets off on seeing culture at large, being engaged by something and then saying, I shall not watch that thing y'all are watching. Okay, cool. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's true. It's true. It's true. It is. It's histrionics. It's the, it's theatrics, that kind of attention getting. I watched it. I loved it. I think it says, Insightful things about animal cruelty. I think it's amazing character depiction of all of these different villains, and I do see all of them as villains. I think you can celebrate a figure without condoning the actions. Everybody's loving Joe Exotic, and that doesn't mean we don't recognize he's a villain. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, when you say loving, and I'm making air quotes here in case we're only grabbing the audio for this. Or celebrating, or there's memes, there's a reaction to it. Yeah, reaction, like, yes, reaction, noticing, paying attention to, having a reaction about completely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) You are on fire tonight. I know, I am, dude. And the crazy thing is, I'm, I'm not on coffee. I mean, I haven't had coffee in so long. Maybe that's why you're just like, now. I just have I'm a natural soul. fucking bitter yeah. man. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> but you enjoyed it too, right? You liked Tiger King. We yeah, were I liked it. I, you know, it, yeah, I was also again not a fan of the animal cruelty, and it gets of course it, as as the documentary goes on and they expose more and more stuff, it gets darker and darker. So I I get it. Like I can get yeah. where some people that are super super sensitive because you know you and I have talked about my own issues like I can't watch things with kids and stuff like that and so like I get it a little bit totally but um but uh but also I did enjoy it mostly for the characters uh the villains who is who who are everyone and more yeah. about the twi- like it wasn't even I mean for me it was more like the animals and this kind of sounds bad to say but for me watching it the animals were and even I think in the presentation like them the the director's choice was that was just the stage. It was really about all the horrible, evil things that these people were doing to each other. Yeah. And, uh, and it just happened to be at this weird exotic animal park. 
that they kept trying yeah. to justify. It was this weird mix of like um, um, best in show meets, uh, right. uh, I don't know, like some weird murder, like some weird murder documentary. It, right. I was like, what is going on? Because, you know, like the Doc Antle and the Joe Exotic and Carol and all of those people, like I felt like they were, yeah, like, like, a mighty win waiting for Guffman kind oh, of yeah. characters with this dark streak throughout. Right. It's just like, right. what am I watching? But yeah, I thought, oh, it yeah. Was, I thought it was really well made. And let me say this. I'm not saying people should subject themselves to something they think will be heavily triggering. I'm just saying, if you're not going to watch it, you don't get to have an opinion on it. So don't tweet and don't say, what this thing is if you have not seen it well i don't you even know? understand why if you if you didn't want to like i don't if i don't want to see something i just don't see it i don't feel feel it necessary to try and totally find out of everybody else's sales who happened to watch it right yeah, I don't exactly that part of it but that's where but that's where the um that's where that whole like high and mighty attitude comes into play right it was yep. folks that not only want to avoid it for their own reasons, whether rightful or not, but also want to um, ruin it for everybody else to make themselves feel better. Well, right. That's what it's about. It's about making the people that are watching this thing feel guilty, ultimately. That's what the goal is. Well, it's just to be better, not... you know, that feeling of, oh, well, I'm better than. Yeah. Because I didn't do that thing. Anyway. Right. Man, we are taking some dark turns. Who? I know, I know. Well, I'm curious. Turns. I think that's the title of this episode, Aristotle. Dark hot turns. Takes, hot takes and dark turns. Hot takes and dark turns. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll right? take it. Well, speaking yep. of a dark turn, I, because of having nothing else to do really, uh, did a deep dive today into somebody that I've wanted to cover on the podcast, all of our podcasts for a long time. Okay. And uh, have you ever heard of a guy named Manly P. Hall? I feel like you might have a shot at this. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Have you ever gone to the, let me find the name of it. Cause I had, I have like, literally, I have like pages and pages of notes here. Just like oh handwritten notes. <laughs> The Philosophical Research Society in Los Feliz. No. So apparently it's there. Uh, if you look it up on Atlas Obscura, they have it as a um, like esoteric library that you can go to. It's very cool. Looks okay. Cool. Anyway, he established that. Uh, he So yeah, needless to say, I'm obsessed with this guy. I've listened um, to a few biographies about him. Um, I desperately want to get the books that he came out with because he himself wrote a fair number of books, but one in particular is very famous and like really apparently well done. And what made him, um, his, his wealth made him aside from some other things, but he, you know, got his big kind of push because of this book that he sold back in the day. Anyway, his name is Manly P. Hall. Uh, he was born in Canada in 1901 to a dentist father, although that got a little weird because when I was researching it, it's, a, it's 
seemed like some people said he knew his dad, but then didn't know his dad. And some other people said he didn't know his dad. And so, and then out of the blue, it said like one day he moved in with his mom in 19, like 1919. And I was like, well, where the hell was he before that? Was he like an orphan then? But nobody mentioned him being an orphan or who he would have lived with. Because I would have assumed it was his father if he wasn't living with his mother. Anyway. What started you down this path to begin with? How did you even hear the name? So I was, well, one, because of Atlas Obscura and this Philosophical Society's library. I've wanted to go there right. for a long time. <clears throat> and then um, on the flip side, I ended up ordering a book off of Audible. Shout out to Audible. Feel free to sponsor us. Yay. <laughs> Dying to get an Audible sponsorship. Anyway, because I spend a lot of money there. Uh, yeah. I ended up buying, I was looking for like weird books to fall asleep to on Audible and this one called um, The Occult in America or something like that popped up and it was, um, he was a section in that book. Like he was a segment of that book. Okay. Um, they did kind of like a, um, they did kind of like an expose on him. And I think the author of that book also is associated with his philosophical society because they also own a publishing house as well. And I suspect that that might have been where it came from. Anyway, so that got me on the path to all this. So Manly P. Hall was born in Canada in 1901 to a dentist father and a uh, Rosicrucian fellowship mother who was also a chiropractor. Mm. Which in 1901 is actually kind of like, whoa, all right. Because you don't, you know, when you hear 1901 and women, you don't usually associate them with um, their own jobs and careers and also societies. Um, So the Rosicrucian Fellowship, uh, for those that don't know, also TRF, is a group of Christian mystics claiming to have esoteric knowledge. So basically in 1919, he moves from Canada with whomever he's living with. I could not figure it out. Sure, who it would be, but he moves from there in 1919 to LA uh, to um, his grandmother's house on his mother's side, and also his mom. So, like down by them, because they were living in Santa Monica at the time. And immediately, because of that, and kind of the circles that she ran in, he became. And I think just probably, it sounds like reading between the lines of a lot of the articles I read, mysticism was just kind of, and spiritualism was just kind of sweeping the nation at the time. It was just kind of in the air. There were a lot of... In the zeitgeist. The zeitgeist. Yeah, kind of like what we're having now with these, like you see it on Instagram with like people being into witchcraft and paranormal yeah. and the cult and all these new shows. Uh, shout out to Expedition on, uh, Expedition X. <laughs> yeah. Also Expedition Unknown because that Expedition X wouldn't be there without Expedition Unknown. And, you know, Bizarre States and then Told Hour and our stuff. So... Um, so anyway, he got really sucked into the arcane mysticism, esoteric beliefs, et cetera, et cetera. And then from like 1919 to roughly about 1923, he got so into it and so involved in these groups that he actually became a preacher, a minister, and then a pastor um, at a really young age for this thing called the Church of the People, which uh, held their services out of the Trinity Auditorium, which is located in downtown LA. And I think it is now called, let me look it up here, because I have my, I have got all the stuff that I want to uh, read to you. <laughs> I'm laughing at what I had in my search engine before I opened this up. 
Was it related to this or something else? The hot veterinarian. Somebody told me to look up this guy called the hot veterinarian. <laughs> and he's super hot. He looks like if Henry Cavill was a veterinarian. Holy moly. Oh, yeah. Search it right now. Aristotle, okay. you can record this. Just take a moment. We got all the time in the world. We're staying at home. Look up hot veterinarian. If I could spell veterinarian, I'd be able to. I mean, the hot Oh, my gosh. You're right, dude. Right? Yeah, man. Dude, that is ridiculous. <laughs> what a joke. That's not a joke. That's a no, I'm just saying individual. it. What'd you say? I said, that's a blessed individual. That's not a joke. Oh, I know. So the Trinity Auditorium, later known as the Embassy Hotel, or was the Embassy Hotel. And I think as of currently it's kind of abandoned like there's plans for it in the future but um who's to say what yeah we're gonna try and revamp it as another hotel um anyway so he was a pastor there preacher minister pastor for the church of the people at the trinity auditorium which is still located in downtown la then he started he started writing about his theories and his studies in earnest in 1920 doing a fair amount of pamphlets and things of that nature and then some books uh, one was called The Initiates of the Flame. Another was The Way of the Lonely Ones. Another was The Lost Keys of Freemasonry, although he didn't become a Freemason himself until 1954. So it took quite a few years. Uh, and then in the early 1920s, he really started to hit part of his stride because a famous oil family in the area began sending sizable amounts of the money that they made from their oil to him. And then he used it for travel and for study and for acquiring a personal library of ancient kind of occult, uh, esoteric literature. Okay. So he it sounds had, like he literally, somebody, huh? It sounds like something that Nick Cage would play in a movie. Right. Well, do you, did you ever see the movie, the ninth gate with, um, Oh yeah. Huh? For sure. Roman yeah, it reminds me of that. He sounds like one of the people in the ninth gate. Yeah. Like his jam and what he's trying to find. So then in 1928 at 27, this is when he really hits it big. He publishes the, ins I mean, this is like, um, what was that? This is the Fiona Apple title of books. Like this thing is forever. Uh-huh. An encyclopedic outline of Masonic hermetic uh, Kabbalistic and Rosicrucian symbolic philosophy being an interpretation of the secret teachings concealed within the rituals, allegories, and mysteries of all ages, also known as the secret teachings of all ages. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like it was wow. like, what, what was her title? Like when the pond, blah, 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 uh -huh, blah. That's exactly. all I remember is those first three words. When the pond. Yeah. Three. So yeah. anyway, this book, he ended up selling um, kind of like an uh, in installment payments and apparently wandered across the, all of the United States and had other salespeople as well. But he really like put, you know, his foot to the street and like went and sold house to house like a traveling salesman. And I guess made a ton of money off this thing. Like, wait, so much. do you want to do you want to hear what the full Fiona Apple title is? Yeah, hit me with it. When the pawn hits the conflicts, he thinks like a king. What he knows throws the blows when he goes to the fight, and he'll win the whole thing. For he enters the ring, there's no body to batter. When your mind is your might, so when you go solo, you hold your own hand, and remember that depth is the greatest of heights. And if you know where you stand, then you know where to land. And if you fall, it won't matter. 
because you'll know that you're right. I mean, that in itself is really cool, but I would never put that as the title of an album. <laughs> I I thought it was a third of that. I when I I used to know the whole title in my head just like from having read it, I thought it was a third that length. Yeah, no, I don't remember it ever being that long. I thought yeah, it, yeah I would agree. I thought it was like half that size. Mm-hmm. And I only ever remembered the first three words. Yeah. And then I, and the only other thing I remember is her coming out for like the MTV Music Awards or some awards show and telling the industry that she was working in that they all sucked and then that was kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. Um, yeah, I don't have a horse in that race. So anyway, so yeah, so he sold this stuff from town, like town to town, uh, traveling salesman style, and he made a ton of money. And, uh, and it quickly became known as his most popular work. It's actually also still in print, which is desperately something I want to get my hands on, but I want to get a cool one, you know, like, I don't want to just right. like a paperback. I want to get a cool one. So I'm waiting for some sort of fancy thing. Maybe I'll go to this, um, this library that he has, because they, you know, they still sell it out of that area. Maybe I'll find something there. Anyway, so after The Secret Teachings of All Ages was published, he skyrocketed from being like a well-enough-liked young preacher to an icon, like hardcore icon of the metaphysical movement sweeping the U.S. at that time. So he became their poster boy. And like when you, I shouldn't even say poster boy because when you say poster boy, you literally think just a face that doesn't have anything going on behind there. It's just literally just the right. face brand. He was so well-learned in these subjects, whether you believe in them or not, or think that they're BS conspiracies or whatever, however it falls. Even if it's made up, he was really, really well versed in what in all the stuff that was made up. Like he totally. educated himself. So um, his book proposed what we've heard a lot. I feel like now, after so many years, like keep in mind this was in the twenties. So his pr- book proposed that within all of this ancient symbolism and allegory and important figures that you get across all different types of times and countries and religions that there was a secret doctrine that had been preserved over time, hidden within all of this other information that could only be deciphered by a small initiated group, which, I mean, that's every Dan Brown novel ever written. Yeah. But done first, like 1920s style. Totally. And also these were not written. He did not write these books as if they were stories. He wrote these as like, educational tools because mm-hmm. he fully believed in it you seem really thrilled to hear this this no i am uh-huh. I'm soaking it in you're like uh-huh um so hall wasn't without his own small dark corners of his past well this is what i was waiting for it well, seems like not- with all of these it's not as crepe it, it, it seems like with all of these figures there's the weird twist where it's like and then he made an entire cult sleep with him or they tried to raise the spirit of Babylon. Why do they always try to bang each other? I don't. That's how it always goes. Is this someone that was, does he not have any of that? Not that, hey, if everyone's on board, that's chill, but what was his weird thing? They always have a king. It wasn't that bad. It really was It's always like he's really into masonry and also dot, 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 you know? Yeah. No, it was nothing like that. It was, I mean... I should I say dark corners because it's 1920s dark and he tried to hide this but right. you know in 2020 
looking back on it, you're like, whatever. Like it's not. So basically he was married like before his second wife and he didn't want anybody to know that he had been previously married. That was it. He was married before and he, uh, who knows how deep that goes. I mean, it's been plenty of time, you know, but nobody, nobody, nobody that I saw write about his experience with his first marriage really had a whole bunch of stuff to say about it other than it existed and he tried to hide it. Um, and apparently he did a good job because nobody really knows that much about this woman. They basically, basically the, not the information that they have on it is that, um, uh, her name was Faye B. De Ravon or Dever De Ravine, D E R A V E N N E. Um, she had been his secretary before they got married. So that's a little, ooh, but I wouldn't say that's <laughs> terrible sure. or even bad. Um, and then she actually, so they got married and it was a pretty unhappy marriage. And then she ended up committing suicide in 1941. And he not, I am explaining this terribly as I usually do, but he couldn't, not only was he in the process of like just, not acknowledging the fact that he had been previously married before but in 1941 once she committed suicide it sounds like he did a hardcore wipe of her name gotcha. at, in any capacity like got rid of her name on his paperwork or any papers that he had published where she might have been mentioned like he did a full get rid of and would yeah. refuse to talk about it so um No, you know, nobody knows. And I think by, I I don't know if they were still married when she committed suicide or not. I think they, I've seen some articles say that they weren't together, but they were still in, they still associated with each other, but they weren't together together. Right. And also that she had moved on and was living her own life and they'd gone their separate ways and didn't really want to acknowledge each other's presence. And then, then that happened and she, you know. And then he, he kind of, uh, went his own way. Yeah. So after she died, um, and he kind of went quiet on it. I mean, that was kind of it. That was his only big moment of, of not even big, but that was his only moment of like, kind of like tawdriness, I guess. Yeah. From the 1920s. I mean, I wouldn't call it that now. Uh, but he did eventually remarry. He married a, a woman by the name of Marie uh, Schweikart Bauer. Uh, she had to divorce. She was already married, and she had to divorce her husband in order to marry Paul. Um, we're going to get back to her in just a second, but I really want to hit quickly because that's when he marries her. Um, things get weird. That's when things get weird. And not like weird, weird, weird for him. Like he, he's, he's, he's the loser in this situation that's coming. <laughs> so some, um, some little bits of info, trivia on Manly, who I highly recommend people check out and, and try to research. Uh, he delivered 8,000 lectures in the U.S. and overseas. He wrote over 150 books and essays and tons of articles and magazines. They, people can't even count how many he did. I mean, you could, I suppose, but nobody has. Um, he actually appears in the introduction of the 1938 movie, When You Were Born, which is a murder mystery that used astrology as one of the main plot points. He actually wrote the story for it. Um, the screenplay got credited to somebody else. 
but he wrote the original story and he was also given a narrator credit. So if you want to check out what he looks like, if you can track this movie down, um, you will see him in the beginning, but also they have tons of pictures of to... him on the internet and he's a very handsome young man. Look dude. Right now. I mean, he's no, you know, hot vet handsome, but he's handsome. Uh, yeah. Well, he's, I don't know. He's close to hot vet. Who manly. Yeah, he looks like he would have been played by Raul Julia. Yeah. He's got that old Hollywood vibe. Yeah. Also, who names their kid Manly? Like, you have know, that's a great. baby and you're like, man, let's name that Manly. <laughs> yeah. An odd name. That's great. <clears throat> All right, so more trivia. In 1942, because like, this is how famous this guy was. Like, you think esoteric, spirituality, blah, 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 blah people that believe in it, they don't really, you don't feel like they don't get to these levels of fame and respect, right. I think is the key is like, it, he was very well respected. Um, which is, I feel not the norm for people that believe in this kind of stuff. Like I feel yeah. disrespected all the time <laughs> because of how much fun I have reading and, and doing paranormal stuff. Um, I was just saying this to someone after watching Tiger King, the fact that like, how do these people just specifically taking like Doc Antle, how do these people find so many people to get on board with their shit? Like, I have a hard time getting one or two people on board with my shit. And these people find so many and I'm not talking about manly per se. Yeah, I just mean, in general, these eccentric personalities and some that, you know, become cult leaders, how do they find people to get on board with their shit? I think they look for people and they mentioned this in Tiger King a little bit. Yeah. I think they look for people that are, are in desperate need of something, whether that's companionship or I know they mentioned meth quite a few times in the Tiger King yeah. documentary. So drugs or, just a home, you know, like I think they look for ways True. to manipulate those folks and to make them feel not only provided for, but wanted. And then I also think a lot of the areas in specifically for Tiger King um, and a lot of the cult places, like it seems to be either, it's kind of location. Like it seems like they're either in a location where think like a hardcore city where things are very hard and difficult and busy all the time. And they've just never been able to fit into that, you know, wheel. And so they're kind of the odd yeah. one out and they're looking for an excuse to leave and join something that makes them feel separated from that. Yeah. Or they're in a location where nothing else is going on and they're so damn bored that they're willing to do anything just to have something to do. That's true. Yeah. I think it's all of those things combined. And I have yeah. no reason to say any of that other than it's just my opinion. Right. <laughs> but yeah. that would be my guess. Um, I don't know if that's the case with Manly. I know, Man sure. I mean, Manly was here in LA. You can still see, I mean, you can still visit this library. It's still up there. And, and so I really want to go. Uh, when we can. Uh, 1942, spoke at Carnegie Hall on the secret destiny of America. In 1945, he was invited back to Carnegie Hall for the lecture of Plato's prophecy of worldwide democracy. And I mean, apparently these were like sold out shows. Like he pulled in big Gosh. numbers. And I've never heard him. After hearing more about him, it's not 
anyone I've ever heard of. He's not that famous. He was yeah. famous then, and he's, he has all of these credits. But then, you know, I mean, you still, I, I don't, I never knew about him until I stumbled upon him because of a couple of books from Audible and the yeah. Atlas Obscura site. I, it doesn't make sense to me why he's not more famous. I don't get it, especially because like, you know, I still, you can still watch 1920s, 19, like old Hollywood, 1940, definitely 1940s and 50s, which was when he was still alive, uh, yeah. movies, because he didn't die until 90 something in the 90s. So, you know, and you know, you could Cary Grant and Joan Crawford and, you know, all, uh, Mary Pickford, she was 20s and 30s. Right. So like, I just don't understand why he didn't blow up more when he very obviously was wealthy and rubbing yeah. elbows with all the people in that scene and kind of a yeah. star in and of his own right. Um, so it gives, it gets even, it gets even more like, so Carnegie Hall is a pretty big deal, but, um, it, 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 what's weird is that in 2010, it was this now, I don't know. I couldn't find this as definite proof, but it was just said in 2010, it's been reported that president Ronald Reagan used some ideas and phrasing from Manley's book, the secret destiny of America for various speeches and essays. Interesting. Yeah. But that's because Ronald Reagan and his wife, Nancy, were apparently really into astrology and were also kind of like somewhat dipping their toe in the paranormal. Oh, were they really? I don't know yeah. if I knew that. I'm almost positive that that is. I just pictured that. I just thought they were so, so straight laced just because of all of their in, in kind of, you know, astrology. Let me look it up. I know conservative that his wife Mary was apparently into it and that Lincoln said he was didn't really want to admit it, but kind of hinted that he might have been a sensitive. And then there was like, you don't know what's true or what is PR or what is just, you know, urban myth that kind yeah. of makes the rounds. But there was that one dream that apparently Lincoln had that a lot of people repeat where uh, fairly close to before he got assassinated, he had a, he went to Mary and told her that he had a dream where he had gone down to the white or he was walking around the white house and no and it was really empty except and then he saw a coffin in one of uh, in, a, in one of the rooms on display and he asked the guard at the door like you know what's going on he's like oh somebody shot the president and then he woke up and he was oh, like oh wow. shit yeah I have heard that before because I used to do plays at Ford's Theater as a kid that's a trip that place is it was be haunted Oh, so haunted. And we would get to just, I mean, we would run around that place in the middle of the night, like after a long rehearsal, no security guards. That was wonderful to run around. So haunted. That's awesome. They have Lincoln's chair from the Ford Theater at the Henry Ford Museum in Michigan. Just throwing that one out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Ronald Reagan actually used this San Francisco astrologist to make presidential decisions. Yeah, so him and Nancy were really into it. Astrologer Joan Quigley uh, used to work with the Reagan administration. Hey, wow. I just didn't know that about them. Yeah. I'd always heard it was more Nancy than, uh, and he kind of just went along with it, but it looks like it's both of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so anyway, uh, which would make sense then why they potentially would know 
who Manly was. Also, keep yeah. in mind, Ronald Reagan was an actor in totally. Hollywood in the 40s and 50s. So he might have met Manly that way, too. And would have been mm -hmm. familiar with him on like a more personal level. Totally. Above and beyond just reading the book. So then in, um, let me see here, where am I in my notes? So uh, Hall uh, actually founded that Philosophical Research Society in Los Feliz back in 1934. It has a library, which at the time housed a lot of his personal collection that he had used the oil money and the money that he made from selling his own book to collect. Um, I got to tell you what's in this collection. It's like next level. It is, uh, let me see here. Oh, he had a variety of ancient books, Babylonian tablets, an ancient Japanese sutra written in blood, bones of a 3,000-year-old Chinese oracle, like Gosh. just crazy awesome stuff. Yeah. So um, not saying all of that was in this particular library, but that's just a hint at his collection because that comes into play later uh, in the story. Um, it also had a lecture hall and a publishing house, which then started public, it published his books for him. And so, you know, he didn't have to pay third party. He was just self-published at that point. Mm -hmm. So, um, so apparently he dies in the nineties at, in his eighties. So in, that sounded weird in his eighties, he passes away. And that was right. in the nineties, 1990. Yeah. Uh, and his wife, Marie Bauer, his second wife, the one that was apparently um, slightly happier marriage, but a lot of people, I guess I didn't tell you this already, but a lot of people didn't like her. They said she was very domineering and started like pushing huh. him around and um, just not the nicest woman ever. Yeah. Um, but she came out publicly saying that she believed he was killed, murdered. Uh, oh, wow. By a guy named Daniel Fritz and some associates of his that were all working or ingratiating themselves to Manly in his elder days. Um, and uh, money. So yeah. Uh, so after Hall's death in the nineties, his widow Marie Bauer got in a big battle with a guy named Daniel Fritz and his associates, who was an assistant to Hall near the end of his life. And who many, including Hall's widow, uh, Marie believe, took advantage of that position in order to manipulate the elderly Hall. Um, she said Hall was going senile by that time. Daniel says that's a lie. He was totally with it, knew exactly yeah. what he was doing. He wanted to keep the sanctity of what he had built over so his entire lifetime um, and give all of that money to somebody and, and power because it's the land and the and it's the whole thing. He signed the whole yeah. thing over. He signed their house over. He signed over all of his collection. He signed over um, the Philosophical Society and all the rights to everything, all to this guy and a couple people. Uh, Daniel and his group is saying that's because we want to run this thing and mm -hmm. she was wanting to dismantle it and sell all of his shit to a bunch of other collectors. Right. That's the fight. And she's saying he murdered him. And it gets real. I got to say, she writes this letter and I'm, I'm going to read part of it. If you want to read the whole thing, I'm going to put it up for the people listening on our um, Facebook group and uh, you, the link, you can catch it and you can read it and, and come to your own conclusions. But she does make a very good argument. So anyway, um, 
Marie took Daniel and several other associates of his to court, claiming that they had conned her husband out of 10 million in personal and philosophical society monies after he had become senile. Uh, he denied all this, saying he knew exactly what he was doing and that she was just trying to sell off the goods. She said that Fritz, who was a banker and worked in computer marketing, claimed to be an ordained minister, uh, befriended her husband by presenting himself as an oriental priest who could help the elderly hall to improve his health so that he could live a little mm -hmm. longer. Fritz obviously denies all of these accusations, claiming that Hall was of sound mind and body at the time when he signed the property over and that he knew exactly what he was doing. Some of the uh, disputed ownership items were exactly what I mentioned before, uh, 16,500 ancient books, the Babylonian tablets, ancient Japanese sutra written in blood, the bones of a 3,000-year-old Chinese oracle, um, yeah, yeah, it just goes on and on and on. Like, who had the rights mm -hmm. to the Philosophical Society? Who had the rights to the book publish, the publishing house, but also the, the rights to publish the books of his, which are still in print and so still making money? Um, yeah. You know, it goes on and on. He had tons, he had tons of stuff. In the end, it was agreed that Marie would drop all claims to the collection. Now, this was an article I got from 1994 when this was hot news. Because he died in, mm -hmm. I think, actually in... 1990 and they were still yeah. di disputing it or had just come to an end of the dispute in 1994. So in the end, it was agreed that Marie would drop claims to the collection in exchange for the title to Hillhurst Avenue, uh, God, to the title of the Hillhurst Avenue home that they lived in, uh, plus the return of various art that both her and her husband collected over time together, because she had a right to that. Then the a society, agreed to pay her $50,000. They were going to return her husband's stamp collection, which had a value of $270,000 in 94, and return 214 volumes of Rosicrucian and alchemical books from their society library so that she could sell those on to the European collector with a value of $804,000. Gotcha. Fritz himself, at least from this article, specifically agreed to pay her $120,000. And there's a lot of random wackadoo articles out there because of just the nature of this man's work. Yeah. But I got that from the um, uh, LA Times. So, gotcha. you know, not that, 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 not that they're perfect, but yeah, a, li a little bit more <laughs> reliable. Really, yeah. um, in addition, 200 uh, to the other stuff, 234 of Hall's alchemical, hermetic, and Rosicrucian manuscripts were sold to the Getty here in Los Angeles. So the Getty has a decent chunk of his collection, like hidden away somewhere. I don't think they have it on display. I've a, gone to the Getty a ton and I've never seen his stuff. Yeah, for sure. Man, I'd love to see where things at a place like the Getty are stored. I mean, I know all museums have like crazy storage, but the Getty specifically, just because it's such a well-designed museum. Yeah. Man, I'd love to. When those fires from what, three years back got super, super close, like on yeah. Getty's doorstep, I, could you imagine how much uh, art would Oof. be lost. I just like, yeah. oh my God. I mean, apparently they have, somebody told me in passing and who's to say that they're an expert, but somebody had mentioned that they had like 
some sort of like the whole place is fireproof. Like they just lock it down. Interesting. They have specific types of a specific type of venting that allows any because you know smokes in the air it's going to get in there no matter what but yeah the venting system that they have it keeps the inside cool even though the fire is raging around the building because otherwise i suppose it could just get too hot on the inside cook yeah even though you're fireproof it does you no good because you basically just sat that you know three thousand year old painting in an oven right so um yeah apparently they've got it all figured out like if yeah if there's a fire the safest place to go is apparently the getty don't quote me on that and if there's a fire do not go to the getty right not a safe place i mean it yeah it can't be your it's safe for art it's not safe for people it's not for uh being a personal bunker yeah no guarantee that yeah they probably just pump the air out and you wouldn't be just you die of suffocation who knows don't go there don't take my word on that or take my word on not going there what the fuck ever yes do that just don't go. Do that, meaning listen to Jess about not doing Yes, that. right? God, we keep yeah. in this ditch. <laughs> <laughs> so the Philosophical Society, which is now, uh, now I use now loosely, now at the time of this article, which was 94, apparently uh, Daniel was running it after Hall's death, says that they're only trying to preserve the legacy and integrity of Mr. Hall and that this was all a huge misunderstanding and a disappointment. Oh, wait, um, Aristotle just sent me a note that I'm not supposed to apparently read, but it's a huge paragraph, so I'm just gonna read it. The center is designed to be impervious to fire and smoke. Oh, he's talking about the Getty. Okay, ready for yeah. this? The center is designed to be impervious to fire and smoke with materials such as travertine stone, an extremely fire-resistant type of limestone, as well as cement and steel. The rooftops are crushed stone so that embers have no chance to ignite. Boom, from the garden. Oh, wow. Dang, good one, Eric. Cool. Thank you. <clears throat> there you go. Um, back to Philosophical Society. Needless to say, at this point, it's being run by Daniel Fritz, and they're all coming out, they being whoever's still working there, all coming out and saying, um, you know, it's not us, it's her. Yeah. This was, we're trying to preserve his legacy. She's trying to finally get his, her hands on his money as much as possible now that he's gone. Um, she's money hungry. She's domineering. Uh, they aren't the only ones to have mentioned that about her. Uh, and she's been spending basically all this time waiting until she can claim her husband's wealth as her own. Bauer says that she firmly believes they murdered her husband. Uh, hence that letter that I talked about before. And I'm going to give you a small smattering of it. All right. So apparently Bauer claims that, um, Daniel and his groupies basically set this all up. Uh, had a senile manly who's elderly and also really, really sick, although not sick enough to die, or surprisingly, you know, she doesn't think he's sick enough to die, Um, write everything over to them. And then six days later, he passes away. Right. Very suspicious. And she says, so she picks it up from there, and she says in this letter, on the morning of August 29th, Fritz called us in Arroyo Grande between 5 and 6 a.m., announcing that Manley had died in his sleep during the night. He claimed that at 3 a.m., Manley had gotten up to the bathroom and returned back to his bed by himself, and that when he, Fritz, touched Manley's hands at 5 a.m., they were ice cold. Dr. Pollock refutes this, saying that it was impossible because it takes 10 to 12 hours for a body to cool. Naturally, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what yeah. this letter. Naturally, the shock of Fritz's announcement to us on the morning of the 29th was horrendous. The three and one half hour journey back to LA was terrible. 
when Joanne, I don't know who Joanne is, uh, and I arrived home in LA around 10.30 a.m., Manley's body was on a stretcher in front of the fireplace in the living room, and two attendants from Forest Lawn, which is by us, uh, yeah. were waiting to take the body away. Fritz and Brandt had ordered my husband's cremation without consulting me at all. That's very suspicious. Mm -hmm. For um, sure. When Joanne, I'm assuming Joanne is like a housekeeper or an attendant or just a friend or I don't know, maybe yeah. a family member. I, I didn't, I don't know who Joanne is. But when Joanne and I arrived, professional carpet cleaners were noisily operating in Manley's bedroom and hallway while Manley's body was still in the house. So they already had, so, so these guys have the body away from the place where it died, put on right. display in front of the fireplace has ordered a cremation without asking his wife, who he's still married to her. They're not separated. They're married. Right. And, uh, and then, and then um, has professional carpet cleaners cleaning up his bedroom. I mean, I don't even understand how that was all allowed. I don't even know. Though that was a long time ago. Well, it wouldn't have even been that long ago. No, it would have been in the 90s. That's crazy. I don't know how you get away with that. She goes, I like, how can you have someone cremated if you're not? Unless maybe member. it was in the will. I mean, if he's right. over, I, who knows? It was, you know, it's kind of like Tiger King in that yeah. will when they say that Carol killed her husband, spoilers, uh, that she said that will that showed up at the at that one lawyers that said like, in case of my disappearance. And he's like, I have never in my 20 years of working as a lawyer have ever seen yeah. in my disappearance added to a will it's in oh, my death because everybody yeah. dies not everybody suspects that they're going to disappear <laughs> right so, yeah it's kind of like that so she goes i was stunned and torn inside by my husband's completely unexpected and untimely departure and by the sudden discovery of foul play and betrayal by a trio of hypocrites who had invaded our home we had trusted them in their deceptions thieveries and hypocrisies for more than three years so these people, you know, whether they've been around for a while with, with Manley and his wife. Yeah. Around 7.30 a.m. on Wednesday, the 29th of August, the brazen offenders had called Dr. Pollock to issue a death certificate. So they called to issue a death certificate, which he later recalled and annulled. So the doctor, so yeah, so they called and issued a death certificate or requested one from this doctor who did it. And then afterwards was like, huh, that's suspicious. And then recalled yeah. and had it annulled. Dr. Pollock will render his own account and opinion because this was a letter that she, I think, wrote to the court. Meanwhile, in my husband's bedroom, the entire content of two large closets and two large dressers, his entire wardrobe, a large number of stamp albums from his collection, along with other belongings, had been burglarized by the thievish trio, along with two valuable Tibetan tankas. I don't know what those are, which were removed from the wall. Apparently, you can hang them on the wall. Around 7.30 a.m. on the 29th of August, Dr. Pollock was notified by the offenders to issue a death certificate. Dr. Pollock later canceled that death certificate because there were several basic dis discrepancies in Daniel Fritz's statement. About one or two days later, after I had regained some composure, I called Forest Lawn to find out if Manley's body had been, had been cremated. Luckily, Labor Day had intervened, and even though I was still unaware of Brant's insidious complicity in the murderous deed, he had ordered embalming of the body so as to fully minimize discovery of the foul deed, or I'm assuming she means of the murder. Although I don't know how embalming would cover up a murder. 
Right. Unless because they remove certain things that you probably, can, but then wouldn't, but then why bother embalming if you're just going to cremate it unless you're embalming yeah. it until, until you can have a service and then you cremate it after the service. Yeah, I guess so. that's your I guess excuse. You have to. Yeah. That's right. Easy. Huh? I don't know enough. Thank God. Yeah. About, um, how any of this works. Uh, da, 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 da. I simply stopped the cremation to order an autopsy. So yeah, okay. So probably because of Manley's age and the prospect of immediate cremation, the first autopsy turned out to be a sham perform a sham performance with illegal implications. We had to order a second autopsy by a reliable and honorable expert. It cost me over twelve thousand dollars. The situation is a most revealing account all by itself and of related findings. Also, as to the timing of the trio's murderous designs, Fritz gave himself away in several ways. For example, before we left on the fatal trip, oh, so she must have gone on a trip with a friend. I only skimmed through the first half of this and got to the to the part where she describes why she suspects this was a murder just for yeah. this time. So um, just, yes. So just know that, uh, that uh, it sounds like she went on a trip with her girlfriend or somebody. Um, for example, before we left on the fatal trip, I had asked a friend, Dee Dee Whiteside, to do some watering in the garden during our absence. Around 7 p.m. of August 28th, Dee Dee appeared in the garden and found Fritz and members of his gang seated around the dining room table. They were very startled when they saw her through the glass doors. According to Dee Dee's report, the suspects disappeared in different directions the minute they saw her. Sometime later, that same evening of the 28th, Fritz reappeared to inform Dee Dee that Manley had died in his sleep during that same night. Naturally, she was surprised and shocked. She asked how he died and when. Fritz retorted that it was beside the point. I, I don't see why that, that seems like a natural <laughs> question yeah. to ask from somebody that told you that the friend that you didn't expect to pass away has passed away. Yeah. When Dee Dee asked again about the time, Fritz was annoyed and replied, he was dead before you came. It was Tuesday, August 28th. Meanwhile, Fritz had claimed Manley died the morning of, the, of August 29th between 3 and 5 a.m. There are other obvious discrepancies in these murderous accounts. Brant, the most deceptive and insidious one, was unmasked after his legal death manipulation came to light in two sham living trusts with which both my husband and I were supposed to have signed three days before the murderous journey began. My lawyer, Helen James, has multiple documents of fraud, grand theft, and the investigation of murder. She obtained a restraining order from the Superior Court of California against all culprits involved. All have been served with summons. I believe that the last three months of Manley's life, Fritz and his accomplices had deliberately accelerated their fiendish design so that Manley became visibly more frail and seemed more and more frightened for reasons I now do understand. Though in their blinded hearts and perverted minds, they would not only gain millions of dollars they could do with whatever they pleased, but in an insidiously satanic way, they could parade their hypocrisies long enough to discredit and soil my husband's and my own idealistically realistic lifetime endeavors represented through the PRS and through the Veritat Foundation. That encompasses not only millions of dollars, but a select library open to the public worth irreplaceable manuscripts and art treasures. Also, along with my own 52 years of labor and dedication, plus many publications exposing truthful New Age ideals and preparations for world and family enlightenment, which is about to come to factual and much needed practical realization. 
For this is the time when all secrets shall be revealed, be they white, black, or gray. It seems God made men as the masculine gender to make secrets. Then he thought better of it and made women to break man-made secrets and divine secrets wide open. See, virgin mother of the cosmic masculine, it kind of falls apart here. See, virgin mother (laughs) of the cosmic masculine trinity creator and the mystery of the virgin soul written by MDH, but not yet published. Yeah, she could have ended that a little differently. But um, totally. But it sounds like, you know, she's got some decent evidence that they were up to some shitty, shitty stuff. So it, so it never shook out that they got in trouble for his death? No. So she dropped, because they agreed to give her some of her things back, she dropped the claim. But then the police did keep the investigation or his case, Manley's case, open. Yeah. But for a couple of years, but I don't know how many years specifically. And I don't know when they closed, you know, I don't know when they closed it. I looked to see if I, I did a couple searches online that were like, um, you know, uh, when was Manly P. Hall's uh, case closed or Hall, case, you know, the yeah. murder of Manly P. Hall case closed or solved or whatever. And it took me on a deep, dark rabbit hole of internet that uh, had nothing to do with him. So right. I um, quickly reversed and uh, and then, uh, but wasn't able to find anything that said specifically how long they had kept his file open and, you know, any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. You got to buy that book. I'm buying that book. I'm buying that book. Yeah. I'm trying to find bios. I mean, he sounds really super interesting. Yeah, for sure. And there's a couple characters around that same time. Um, he let me put it. Let me put it this way. I love this stuff, but I don't believe yeah. in all of it. But I sure. do think that out of all of the people that were running through LA and Hollywood at that time and kind of becoming mystics and riding the wave of the spirituality movement and mysticism movement and really like embracing all this stuff and kind of starting their own, you know, um, churches. His seems out of all of them to be the most legit. Like mm-hmm. he, he, you know, he made a library open to the public. He, he put his, he collected all these things in order to keep them. I mean, I'm sure he enjoyed them as a personal collection, but also to keep them, you know, available for people to do research. Like he, yeah. he, he never turned into like a super hardcore cult leader. He still remained yeah. approachable. He still had, I, I, he was very idealistic and it looks and sounds like he held on to those ideals for yeah. most of his life. I think, you know, at, at worst you could say he dabbled a little bit into the Hollywood scene with actors and actresses maybe, but that's, you know, hello, welcome right. to LA. <laughs> Nobody moves right. here just to not do that. So yeah, yeah it, it sounds like he's, he's pretty, he's a pretty chill dude or was a pretty chill dude that yeah. had a, a bad run at there at the end, but, um, but did a lot of re- really awesome research because the thing that I always really like about this stuff, especially for stories like this and people like him is that, um, I find a lot of this stuff fun. You know, I really enjoyed doing all the stuff I did on, um, expedition X. I really mm-hmm. had a lot of fun talking about the goofy stuff we talk about on Bizarre States and even here on the Untold Hour. But I'm always kind of looking for that thing. Like, there's got to be a seed where this started. There's got to be oh, something, yeah. a core that caused all these different sects and beliefs and I- ideas of what this, you know, 
alternative religion or belief system is like, what's the core? What's the thing? Yeah. Which it sounds like is what he studied and did a pretty damn good job at trying to figure out or coming close to what that thing actually is. And so I'm yeah. really curious and I desperately want to go to this library. <laughs> yeah. Have they ever made a film uh, based on his life? I don't know. It didn't, nothing popped up, but I also didn't yeah. specifically look for that. I, you know, obviously he popped up as being in this beginning of that one movie that he helped co-write. You can, well, pulling up Manly P. Hall movie, you can actually see him on YouTube. It looks like the Manly Hall Society uploaded his intro to that one movie um, that he he was in, When Were You Born, up on YouTube. Gotcha. But look that up. it says it has all his books, but it does not have um, any kind of movie written on him. Gotcha. You know what's okay. really interesting, too, is this idea of her suspecting that he was murdered what is not not known like there's multiple articles varying yeah. in degrees of um you know quality control that talk about it right so when i went and looked up a bunch of like his basic information over on his wiki page just like born died whose parents were like blah 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 dates and things of that nature most of the time when you look up famous people, even, you know, C, D list up to A list, it'll say if they pass away the day, they, like the year or day that they were said they were born. Sure. And the year and day that they passed away. His doesn't have anything for his death. And then usually if they pass away, if you scroll down into the description section where they have it all blocked off with like a couple paragraphs of information, it'll be like early life, uh, career, um, yeah, you know, uh, death, and then it'll list like uh, anywhere from two to three sentences to a full paragraph on what you know what happened when they passed away. He's got nothing. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have anything in his wiki page. Gotcha. But when you go into Google, let's just say Google because that's the one I use all the time, and you search Manly P. Hall, there's a section of Google, and I'm just going to show it to the camera. Uh, let me make sure I don't run it. So just in case we do decide to use, see right here, there's always. Yeah. At least there's that section on Google. I don't know if it's on other um, search engines like this, but it'll say like, when did Manly P. Hall die? How did Manly P. Hall die? When you click on it, right. they all say murder. <laughs> so it shows up in the quickie notes that the Google has yeah. for him, but it doesn't show up anywhere in his Wikipedia page. That's weird. Yeah. So I'm wondering if, you know, the society, mm -hmm. I mean, now it doesn't, I mean, now it's, you know, that was the nineties. I mean, it was right. 1990, not even like, Oh, you know, I graduated. Yeah. I was, that was, that's a long time ago now. I don't think that they have, they have any cares about that so much anymore, but at the yeah. time, I wonder if um, people were really sensitive about what kind of stuff they were having up on wiki and they, you know, they right. assigned somebody to make sure redacted it to keep that off to keep that off the net yeah yeah dang right mph 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 let me see let me see let me start why isn't why isn't manly p hall more famous let's see what it says <laughs> Doesn't say. 
I thought I saw it and I should have looked at it when I was doing my research, but now I can't find it. And I thought somebody had asked yeah. the question. Well, the next stage to your research is reading his long titled book. Oh my God. Yeah. And buying oh, a cool copy of that. it from. Yeah. What was that? What was the title of that thing? It was ridiculous. The Fiona Apple of Esoteric Knowledge. Yeah. All right. The secret teachings. Well, there's the, yeah, the secret teachings of all ages, right? Uh, secret teachings of the ages? Uh, secret teachings of the ages, but then the full title, let me check back on this, was something uh, insane. It was, here we go. An encyclopedic outline of, let me start over again. An encyclopedic outline of Masonic, Hermetic, Kabbalistic, and Rosicrucian symbolic philosophy colon, being an interpretation of the secret teachings concealed within the rituals, allegories, and mysteries of all ages. And then it's also known as the secret teachings of all ages. Gotcha. Order that on Amazon. They have it. Yeah. Yeah, but you want a cool copy. I want a cool copy. I want a super cool, super cool copy. All right. That's my whole deep dive. That's my thing. That's what I brought to the table good. today. It's a lot. I feel like now I owe a deep dive. For next week. So I've got to decide what that topic is. And uh, I want to deliver. Do it. Yeah. Well, we're trying I to have get an guests on the show too, right? Yeah. And I've reached out to the guest we were talking about. We'll huh? see. But I have another guest that we could that we could hopefully bring into this situation, like a Zoom and a home recording situation. Yeah. I mean, we'll, if, well if the one guest that you're trying to get doesn't work out for you... Yeah, I also have. I know of a person that knows her also. Oh, okay. That I could possibly, possibly, possibly totally try. give a little nudge. Give a little nudge, but um, okay, yeah. But hopefully, fingers crossed, because cool. it sounds like what she's got is really, really cool, and I'd love to talk to her about it. Also, we've been yeah. Um, people have been asking about stovetop. First of all, Aristotle, everybody is so happy because Aristotle is listening in on this, even though he's not on the recording, if we choose to use this uh, uh, video. Uh, Aristotle, everybody is so thrilled that you are back. For sure. For sure. <laughs> that we're, we're back, that the team is back together. But they also miss Stovetop. So, yep, also miss Stovetop. So they've been asking about him. So I was thinking we could have Stovetop on and see how- We could have Stovetop as a guest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because everybody's been asking me, well, what's going on with Stovetop? And I don't know why I haven't thought to tell them this, but I was like, oh yeah, well, he's doing good as far as I can tell. I left Daisy with Stovetop. Daisy oh, yeah. is now owned by Stovetop. I felt he's like she just really wanted to go with him. And so- Care keeper, yeah. Yeah, she just, she was like, yeah, man. I want to go with stovetop. <laughs> stovetop is Daisy's steward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's good. So I was thinking stovetop and then whoever else you have, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah. But um, but yeah. yeah so let's good. hopefully get some guests. And if we can't get guests, I want you to do a deep dive. Because yours are always fun and All funny. Right. Mine are always semi serious, but yours are great. I like yours. Yeah. I'll dig up something. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let me uh give you guys our outros. Uh, I got a lot of information and by a lot, I mean a decent amount. Um, I'm kind of springing this on you, Bowser. You tell me if this is okay or not. Yeah. I think we should not bother with the Facebook page. Not the Interesting. Page. Okay. The Facebook page. I'm not saying the group. I'm saying the oh, Facebook yes. page. Oh, yes. 
because it seems to me that everybody goes and joins the group and the group is a lot more active. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. But here's the kicker. This is the trick. You can't have a group without having an associated Facebook page. And so if I wanted to to attach the group directly to my personal profile or your personal profile, we would have to delete and restart. And I don't want to do that because we've four years worth of people on that group. For sure. For everybody listening, untoldians, the untold ians. Uh-huh. I find myself liking that more and more the more I say it. Yeah. Um, the Facebook page, the proper Facebook page where we used to post only the notes of what we were talking about and videos and things right. is dead. I posted a post today up on there that I pinned to the top that says, we are no longer bizarros. We are now the Untoldians. You can find yeah. me here with a link to the Facebook Untold podcast page. Right. right. No group. Fuck group i fucking hate facebook fuck anyway i know it's confusing so annoying anyway just so you guys listening know we will remain active on the facebook group so if you want to join just search the untold podcast facebook group and it should pop up and that way you can go ahead and um say that you want to be a member and then we'll have to go in and accept you and yada 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 um but we are going to keep that active. I'm going to start putting our notes and any videos or reference photos or anything from the podcast that we talk about up on there. So technically, the old school Facebook page is dead. Right. The Facebook group is going strong. So yeah, that's where you can find all these notes. That's the thing I Makes want sense. to push the most. With the exception of also, I fucked up the email. So for listener stories... I discovered today that I fucked up the email. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't even know if I own that email. It's it's a fucking gotcha. goddamn. It's a goddamn disaster. Don't even want to talk okay. about it. I'm really mad. I got really mad. I slammed the door at the house when I discovered it, and uh, <laughs> it's been a day. It's been a day. It's been a technologically challenging day. Anyway, yeah. I do know for a fact we now have. The Untold Hour Pod at gmail.com as our email. Okay. So, listener stories should go listener there. Listener stories should go there. Send your listener stories to the Untold Hour Pod at gmail.com and I will get them and I will read them on the air if you're interested in doing that and sharing those with us. There's cool. one in there already by somebody who somehow managed to make it through. And, uh, and so I have one, which I could have read, but this was also a really long episode. So I figured let's just wait a week, gather a couple more, let this new email congregate and, uh, and then we'll go from there. Also, if for whatever reason it's not working for you, you can also access it by going through our Instagram um, which uh, there should be a little dial up there that just says email. So for socials, that's this. Twitter, if you want to follow us, is at Untold Hour Pod. Instagram is The Untold Hour. Our Facebook group is The Untold Hour Podcast Group. And our listener stories email one more time is The Untold Hour Pod at gmail.com. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Oh, Heck yeah. God. Ha, ha, ha.
God almighty. Oh, social media. Oh, it's such a grind. Okay. Well, All right. You want me to give our NPR outro? Yeah, man. Hit it. Okay. This has been Jessica Chobot and Andrew Bowser, and you've been listening to The Untold Hour. Bye. Bye. Star Bands Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.